Father in heaven, um, so we are so very, very thankful for this place you've called Summit Church. And uh, Lord, as I think, as I think about um, your church, the broader context of the church, um, I'm, we are so thankful for what you do, for how you bind us together, seeing so many good things going on around our community, around our world, through other um, healthy churches. Thank you so much for being the head of our church, for being the set, the head of Summit Church. Lord, we commit that right now um, to you, recognizing we are simply the body, and it's our great desire. We make this confession right now. It's our great desire, Lord, that we, everything we do, everything we think, everything we say, whatever you would put our hands to, wherever you would have our feet to take us, would all be done in accordance with your good and perfect will. In Jesus' name, amen. Cool. As, as Corey was setting up, um, you'll notice there's an elder who's missing, um, and that's Jasper, because Jasper and Sarah had their baby boy yesterday. So that's awesome. And then the cool, cool thing, kind of church twins, you might say, because Matt and Lee Heidenberg also had a baby boy yesterday. Um, so I don't know what's in the water at Summit, but it, it's good. Um, we wanted to teach together as um, the elders together. It's interesting um, was joking around with a friend, I think it was Thursday night, and she said, oh, it's, it's Vision Sunday, uh, you're not going to preach, so I don't have to come. Um, and that's, that's not what we want from these types of Sundays. We're focused on Jesus Christ, the Word of God. So the format is a little more distributed in terms of something, but you will receive teaching. So if you came specifically because there wasn't going to be teaching, gotcha, you will be taught from the Word of God. Um, and if you were expecting uh, some sort of uh, statements from men, um, you will receive a few of those, but far more statements from God, um, our ruler and savior. So we want to go through essentially mission and vision. And it's interesting, you know the mission of our church, or at least I hope you do if you've been here a while, that's to glorify God by making disciples who exalt Jesus Christ. So if we could put that up on the screen just so we could see the reference of that. That's from Matthew 28, right? 18 to 20, Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus has the authority. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing like we just did them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. But not just that, teaching them to follow or observe everything that I've commanded you. And lo, or behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So we know this message. First question for the, for the elders would be, how, how do we know if we're fulfilling our mission? How do we know if we're fulfilling that? How do you measure it? Uh, is it something you feel? Is it something you can keep a tally of? What does that look like? Um, anyone really anxious to start? Todd, you're making great eye contact, so I'm just going to call on you. But it's well, like, I'm not. I'm don't not make gonna, eye contact. One, I, I was before this. I was in the business world, and uh, and and it was easy to measure how you were doing in the job you were in. And uh, then the Lord determined it was time for me to come into ministry, which was, became a very frustrating thing, trying to determine how we actually measure whether or not we are fulfilling the Great Commission. Because as Bjorn said earlier, we're really simple, like the measurable things that you can look at in the church are number of baptisms, how many people are coming on a Sunday morning, what giving is, and, but, but, we, the temptation, if you, if you make those your measurable um, units as it relates to the fulfillment of the Great Commission, you can get really twisted up about how you pursue those things. So it's been like a 15-year, you can't think in those terms, um, frustration. 
So, I, I think, too, one measure is what's going on with me as well as in our leadership group, and I, that's been growing. It's been great. Um, and I think yeah, as leaders, we're set examples, and I don't always set a great example, but I know God's working on me and, and my focus, so I think that's a, a huge step in, yeah, in our growth. Yeah. Oh, go ahead, Dennis. Yeah, I, I, uh, I would second that. I think you are a great, great example to me anyway. Um, and I think also how do we measure it in our own life is important because it's a difficult thing to measure in my own life, let alone the life of the whole congregation. But it is, what we're looking for is the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Is that characterizing our congregation? That's good. So then there's this other idea. Well, here's another thing. Like, how would you answer that question? I, we were at Summit Men met yesterday morning uh, with donuts and coffee, the fuel of maleness. And, well, bacon wasn't there, but we'll work on that. Ultimately, though, we did an exercise that was, how, how do you measure the health of a church? Like, how, how do you know if a church is healthy or not? We put stickies up on the wall, um, and it, it was so encouraging to see how much the men shared from their hearts, but fueled and driven by a biblical perspective of what health in Christ Jesus looks like. So there wasn't a lot of things, like there were things that were good, but everything was biblical and everything was according to how, what God has laid out in his word. That was a real lift for my spirits yesterday morning, just gathering with a group of like 25 or so guys um, and, and really speaking the truth of God's word. Here's, a, here's another one, vision. So if you look at the next slide, vision, when you hear that word, what do you think of? It's a very interesting word. You could take it like hyper-charismatic, like you're in this ecstatic state that you're experiencing that, something that no one else is. Maybe when we say the word vision, we just think of, like, I don't know, some people just have gifts, talents, and abilities where they can lay things out better for what might be in the future. All these idea of, ideas of vision. Really cool proverb um, where there's no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. But Blessed is he who keeps the law. This has been a great uh, encouragement to me. It was probably nine years ago. I, was talk- I still remember where it was. It was right outside those back doors, talking to someone about the idea of vision. And essentially, it was a very difficult conversation because what the guy was telling me, I just showed that was male, so I reduced who it was down to 50% of people. But uh, he doesn't go to this church anymore. But he said, I'm not going to go here because you lack vision. Your leaders lack vision. You don't have any foresight. I'm not going to be part of this. I was, I was thinking about that. Part of me wanted to just be like, okay. Um, but there was part of me too that's like, I wonder if that man is right in regards to vision. I, I wonder about that. So I studied for like three years, what, what is vision? What does God's word say about vision? Because we got all these ideas about what it is. I kept going back to this passage. And prophetic vision, or as it's translated in the English standard version there, means revelation from God. Revelation from God. And it, it's an encouragement as I look at our body now and say, are we dedicated to revelation from God? Are we dedicated to what God has told us more than our own ideas? Are we dedicated to focusing on the right things and communicating those? Uh, And I think looking back at that conversation, I can understand that guy's perspectives in some regards, 
but we do not at Summit Church lack prophetic vision because we preach and proclaim the word of God, Jesus Christ. So that's been a great encouragement to me. Um, but we have to look to, to the word of God. Any thoughts about that, guys, as I share that story? You've probably heard that seven or eight times now. But So I think one of the biggest things that I've learned over the years in the elder room is that actual study is important. Um, and you want to hear that from an elder, trust me. Um, but that means you also need to be studying. And you may look at that passage all by itself and say prophetic. Well, that means you must be a prophet. And what does prophecy mean? And what is all that? Blah, blah, blah. It's all important, right? But how it's used in context, how these words are used in context is not like, hey, this is our dream. This is how we've cast this massive vision. Nope. That's not what this word prophetic means. It means that we're using the word of God the way that it's meant to be used. Thanks, Peter. So as I look at the next screen up there, and these screens are to help you. If you're a visual person, I bet you appreciate them. If you're not, then you're listening anyway, so it's no big deal. But we want to look at Ephesians 4, 11 through 16, and really teach but talk together while we're doing that about seven questions that keep us focused on God's prophetic vision for Summit Church? What has God revealed to us in terms of a vision that he wants for his church? What does God want his church to look like? What does God want us to do in the church? Now, there's nothing in a single verse uh, of scripture that is exhaustive, that completely covers all things. This is a comprehensive view, but all these things are what God wants his church to look like. So Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. So if you brought your Bible, whether in a digital form or a physical form, uh, we got some physical up here, a digital, that's good. Um, we want you to open your Bibles up and look at these because we want to both teach and talk about these things at the same time. So these are seven questions we need to answer in regards to God's prophetic Vision for Summit Church. First, first question, when you look at the passage, he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers, into verse 12 there, to equip the saints. So Todd taught about this last week, right? In terms of that, those offices, all word-based, all focused on proclaiming the word of God. God gave them to us to equip the saints. So first question is, Todd, are we, as leaders, equipping the saints for the work of ministry? I would sure hope we are. Um, When I look over and and you take into account the giftings of those in our church and how they're serving, and uh, as it relates to our roles here, it's, uh, man, that's a really, like, it's a hard one for me to answer as an elder because, you know, if I'm like, heck yeah, we're knocking it out of the park, you know, it sounds like they arrogantly have this all figured out. Um, But, you know, as we watch the fruit that's being expressed by the church, I would say that the, that is revealing that we are actually um, getting after it the way the Lord intends. Um, but, I, you know, I'd like to say something that kind of bounces back a slide or two that plays right into this. Um, you'll, you'll notice, Jasper and I, if you're new with us today or newish to our church, we do the bulk of the preaching, two of us. We had, you know, mix, Bjorn mixes in, Sam mixes in, and uh, that's very intentional. And so when you look at the, the prophetic vision that's provided by the church, we don't, have a, we don't have one guy at the point determining how things should go um, and then the elders responding to that. We believe in Christ as the CEO, as the head of the church, the one that provides a group of men 
who humbly work to humbly submit to him, letting him determine where we go and what we do. So um, if it's, if, if equipping the saints to do the work of the ministry falls on our shoulders, that would be our great desire is that we would always be looking to him for what's next. Yeah. Dennis, you have, you said something before in meetings and as we've just talked individually in regards to, well, there's not one guy who sets the direction, or at least one guy who's not also God who sets the direction. Like, how do, how do we know what's right to do? Do you remember what I'm talking about, how you've shared in that? No, he doesn't remember at all. That's like, it's like, what do they say to lawyers? Never ask a question that you don't know the answer to. So that's why I've been disbarred from this, I guess. But ultimately, Dennis encouraged me in this way. There's something that God does when a group of men work together in Christ Jesus, and he brings things together. I don't know that I would know how to explain it, um, but then when sometimes I'm the odd man out, and these guys are like so on fire, something and so clear, I'll bring up a, a point from God's word, and if the guys are not excited about it, I'm the one that needs to conform to the group then, right? It can't, it can't be the other way around where it's like trying to drag these guys into my own agenda. So even though you don't remember that, that was very meaningful to me that you shared that. I remember the, con- I remember the concept. Yeah, there we go. Can, can I just add one thing? Uh, I think any of these questions, the answer is hopefully we're doing it, but we want to get better at all of them as a leadership group, as a body of believers. And, and I do think a distinctive from this church from the beginning has been our commitment to the word, the truth of it, the authority of it, the preaching of it. And you know, we, we get comments from, from new people that comments like, man, uh, I, re- I didn't realize maybe what I was missing uh, as far as being taught the word. So um, it's something we want more opportunities. You know, we have, we have, we just completed recently the doctrinal class and, and there's, there's a number of opportunities and, and hopefully keep growing in that. Um, so I don't think any of these we get an A plus on, but I think we're striving to, yeah. to, to be And better. Glenn would know, I, someone said once, Glenn has been here since the beginning. And I'm like, Glenn, for being 6,000 years old, you look great. Um, but... Like he's a founding member of the church. He's been part of this, and he's seen uh, the waxing and waning in terms of attendance, um, different seasons in our church. I'm very thankful, and I know many of you are as well, for Glenn and his service. Um, let's, let's look at another one. Uh, that would be verse 12 into 13. So the, this word offices, the shepherds and teachers, the pastors and teachers, are to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Are you seeing that in your Bibles, right? So are we all working? Are we all working? Not just uh, Todd and Jasper, for example, or not just Vicki, um, but are we all working to minister for spiritual growth? What do we think? We need to more. Like, uh, if I can just use this as an example. Right now, Jasper... Um, and and others are walking through biblical counseling training because our our the need continues to be great for those that need to be covered with the Word of God and taught through the, and by the Word of God, and uh, that requires that requires um, saints to be able to help other saints with life's issues. Um, by using the Word of God. So this is a very clear example of how we're trying to train right now others to manage and handle the Word of God in the counseling setting. And so Jasper's walking a group through over the next year, um, training them to be ready to um, 
to biblical counsel. And, um, and I'm supposing there are some out there that have heard us say, yeah, we can't, neither Jasper nor I, um, or some of our leading counseling ladies can counsel you right now. We need to, we need to pass you to somebody else. It's, it's just a matter of we must do this, and, and the other saints must be willing to learn and grow in handling the word so that we can help each other, and it doesn't just fall on the shoulders of two or three or four. With that being said, that means all of you need to be ready to even counsel each other, and that's kind of why you know we have incredible teachers like Jasper and Todd and Bjorn um, to, to bring you the word in its full context, what it means, um, so that you can apply it to your life. And then at that moment when God asks you to speak into somebody else's life, you're supposed to do it. It's, it's, just not a, it's not just a counseling team. You are all saints. You're all the one and others. You're supposed to handle each other. I think some of the beauty of being in leadership is seeing the way that the Holy Spirit works through the congregation, um, I've just I just witnessed uh, this weekend uh, one of the gals from our small group was in a car accident, bad car accident. Um, cars totaled by the Lord's grace. Uh, he's she's not badly injured, um, but it was great seeing the small group gather to get, gather around to to minister to her. Um, but a lot of this stuff is just, it's not possible for us to do. When I think about equipping, that word in the Greek is this idea of completeness or per- perfectness. And so it's, it's basically filling up what is lacking in all of you, and it's correcting the things that are wrong in all of you. That's not possible for any of us, all of us, to do. It's only possible, and that's why you you'll see us over and over again pointing to the word because it's only the word, it's only Jesus Christ that, is, that has the ability to truly equip us, to actually perfect us. Yeah. There's this question then, right? So a bunch of elders get up in front and they're like, hey, you need to minister more. Hopefully it doesn't sound like that. Um, but a, a plea for ministry, but ultimately there's this question that people ask. And I've heard them, so many people ask, how do I, like, how do I know what kind of ministry God's want, God wants me to do? So uh, the right question, right? The right question. How do I know what to do? I want to help. I want to be part of that work of ministry, but I don't really know how to jump into it or, or to get connected to it. It's helpful to think in three ways, and this might be different than you've thought about ministry before, um, but we think it lines up really well with Scripture. And the first one is, there's this idea of planned and programmatic ministry. It's really easy to understand what that is. I work in Summit Kids, right? Boom, I knew that. I help Corey uh, or sometimes distract Corey from doing effective music, um, right? That's a, a ministry that I could be part of. Um, I help Kevin with facilities needs based on gifts, talents, and abilities, or maybe I'm an amazing spiritually gifted vacuumer. Like whatever that might be, just planned and programmatic things. We often think about like, that's our ministry, but there's these components that are way bigger than that when you look up at that graph. There's responsive, personalized ministry. Bowden even talked about that. What do you do when God speaks in your heart and says, go and do this? So when you're walking through the lobby and you see someone 
And maybe they're not a person that would, like, by affinity you would line up with, right? Maybe different interests or anything like that. But what do you, what do, you do with that when God says, go stand next to them in line when there's coffee there and say that you want to pray for them? What do you do with that? That's responsive, personalized ministry. We're not in charge of that as leaders. We're all responsible for properly responding to that. So that's a big chunk of ministry when you look at what ministry is, to serve others in love. But then there's also this deliberate, proactive, um, really one another ministry. There's so much in the New Testament that's about the one another's. It says in Galatians 5 that uh, we're not supposed to do the wrong things, but through love, uh, serve one another. How do you do those things? We look at core groups, which I'll talk about in a second, small groups, and personal evangelism is a way of doing that. Any thoughts about the pie chart up there? Todd, you've made a yeah. grab for the mic. Yeah. Um, you know, this, this is crazy how this is fitting right into the middle of our series. And uh, Jasper, a couple of weeks ago, preached on the body of Christ and, uh, and some just you know, feeling like my portion, my responsibility in the body of Christ is, body of Christ is so insignificant. And then I, I likened it, you know, well, if, if you're in the body of Christ and, and Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, um, God has determined that you would be a part of this body and he's laid out for you the very things he intends for you to walk into, like you, he has stuff assigned for you to do and you're not doing it. Verse 26 of um, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 says that you are causing a suffering in the body. And uh, so even if you are, and this is, I don't know who came up with this one, but it was really great. Even if you are the fingernail of the body of Christ, you are point, whatever it is he has assigned for you to do, you are one of those pieces of the pie chart pointing people to the person of Jesus Christ. You have value. Yeah, that we, we don't want y'all to be discouraged, to think like, I don't have this certain gift, talent, or ability, so there's nothing that I can do. Or to think like, the only way I could help is if I would do this thing that doesn't interest me, it is like I'm bored with. No, there's so much to do. If you're like, I, I'm just in a small group, that's wrong thinking. Small group is a way that we can minister to one another in love. So don't look at that and be like, I gotta do more, more, more. If God calls you to do something more, you gotta do it right? That's between you and God. But in regards to ministry to one another, we should be pleased with the opportunities that God gives us by his spirit. Um, core groups. Our church, uh, over the past of the, core, I don't know, like four years, lots of change. Some of that's because COVID, some of that's because just the way that the church seems to work in our nation and things like that. But we have so many new people and that is a blessing, not a burden to our church. That's really awesome. But then we really want to do that one another ministry through small groups. But imagine you take, I don't know, if a small group is 15 people, just for example. You take that group of 15 people, and they're all different coming in with different expectations. It can get really messy, sloppy, hard, bad really fast. So we wanted to give people a more effective way to get connected in our church. We're trying core groups. There's been like 30 of us that are doing it. Heather and I get to be part of it, and it's really exciting but it's basically broken down in this way. Uh, maybe over the past, I don't know, 20 years, the church has gotten a little too, we've outwitted ourselves about small groups. It's like, it's gotta be this and this and this. And then this guy wrote a book that said this, and we gotta do that. Here's four things. Well, it's five actually. There's a core. Be humble, love one another, and desire growth. Do you want that? Do you want that in your walk with Jesus? 
And then, and yes, I know this looked like the old 80s game Simon Says, Corey. um, But ultimately, be humble, love one another, desire growth. Meet regularly, focus on the word of God, care for men and women, and prayer. That's, that's what a small group is. So if you're like, but how often should we meet? I meet regularly. I don't know what that is for you. Or if you're like, well, what should we do? There's four things that you must do to be in a small group. Do we have to go on vacations together? If you want to, you can go on vacations together. Do we have to? No. Do you have to give money to each other? If you want to, you can do that. Do we have to? No. But you should share with one another and love one another. So let's keep small groups simple and flexible. Don't make it about a system. Make it about loving other people and serving together with this deliberate idea of spiritual connections. And you're new, if you're new here and have yet to experience the core group or a small group, understand this. We get it. In your last church, you may have had the most spectacular small group experience that anyone could ever, ever have. Guess what? Your next one probably is going to take time to measure up to that past experience. So just, just hold your previous experience very loosely and know that this is our desire um, to see small groups thrive in this way. Or you may have had a really terrible small group experience. That doesn't mean this one's going to be that terrible. Um, I think a lot, of, a lot of small group stuff is messy and sloppy, but it doesn't have to be bad. It's good. We made these cards. If you can see on the next slide. If you're wondering, what, sh- what should I do? How can I get connected? They're in the back there. So when you're leaving, you could grab one. It's just to, just to be helpful and listing some really deliberate needs that we have. These are very much the programmatic sense of things, right? Because I, I can't necessarily tell you, like, God is going to tell you to do this tomorrow and you need to respond to that, other than you need to respond to what God tells you to do. But I really appreciate Sam has been instrumental in putting together these cards and even a kind of a visual indicator. I don't know if the banner's up it, yet in the back. Yeah, that's, that's cool. Just to help us think about that. So every time you walk up by that banner, kind of by those stairs there, just think, oh, how could I serve? Maybe God wants me to do this. Um, certainly not the total of ways that we can minister to one another, but more reminders for how we can do that. Here's a, the third one. When you look at kind of the end of verse 13 there, are we using God's success metrics? What do you think, Peter? Are we, are we using God's success metrics at Summit Church? I think God, or I'm sorry, I think Todd <laughs> summed it up quite nicely. Sorry. That was, that was a really good catch by yourself. Sorry. <laughs> no, was, I, my bad. It's um, the first time anyone's ever made that mistake. I, I think Todd summed it up very well and that we'd be foolish if we thought we were doing it right. Um, and yet, having spiritual growth happen all around us, I think we're doing okay. Um, we're being tested. We're trying those things. Sometimes we fail. Sometimes we have success. But I can tell you this, we're not going to stop trying. Um, God wants us to keep pushing for the mark. Glenn, can you pass the mic to Glenn? What, I mean, what do you think on that one? Are we using God's success metrics? You've been around, it's not 6,000 years, but in terms of, what is it now? I mean, it's getting close to 30 years, right? Mm-hmm. Um, are we using God's success metrics? Well, at my age, I forgot. I, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I think more and more we're, we're growing. I think you had a word up there earlier, humble. I, that's something, it comes up like weekly at our meetings. And it's, 
we haven't attained that either. But I think the more we grow in that, we recognize it's God who's doing the work, and, and we need to be faithful, and we're going to pray about direction, we're going to pray about decisions, and, and we're, we're going to mess that up too. Uh, but yet, depending on him for growth, for, for us individually, us as a body of, of leaders, uh, us as a, a body here at Summit. Uh, so I, I think we are. I think we're growing. I think some of the temptations, I don't know if it's the next slide you're going you're gonna to have, but some of the things that we can get out of whack on and um, the church in general can get out of whack on. Uh, we here could be susceptible to that, but I think we're growing in not looking for those things. Yeah, thank you. It's also... I think the more kind of counter to our culture we begin to, to seem, the more we're measuring up to this metric. Because this metric is saying until we all attain to the unity, the unity of faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man. So we as a body are to be being conformed to the measure of Jesus, the Son of Man, which is the reason our foundation is the Word of God, Jesus Christ. And so that's our primary metric. We're never going to meet it, at least not until glory. That's good. So let's, let's look at three metrics, because here's the question. It's great if we talk about a bunch of stuff. We want that to be the way that we think collectively. If this body, that is, if you, being part of this body, are thinking wrongly about God's success metrics, like, we are in trouble. That would not be good. So if people come in with, this is the measure of a healthy church, but that's not found in the word of God, bad news. It's only going to hurt us. So there's th- three metrics that, that can ruin a church when misused, Right? So if we, if we measure just according to attendance, um, that can run contrary to John 6, 66. Do you remember that? Jesus basically is talking to people and he starts to say really hard things. And it's basically the sequence of people saying, I'm out. Eat your flesh and drink your blood, I'm out. He's down to just the disciples. He's like, are you gonna leave me too? So sometimes when you look at uh, 2 Timothy three and four. There's this aspect of God's word proclaimed that is supposed to get at the body, get at us and say, you need to correct your thinking. It's a rebuke, a correction, an exhortation. And when you do that, some people do not like that in their flesh and they go away. There's pruning that God does, right? We've talked about that so much in the past. So you can't just base it on attendance. It's not, it doesn't mean attendance is bad, right? Healthy things grow, but so do unhealthy things. If you ever had cancer, you know that. Or a goiter. That would be really weird. Very noticeable. Finances. If we just base it on finances, if we're focused exclusively on finances, that'll ruin the church. That's what God's word says. And then here's the tricky one, baptisms and conversions. How could that be bad? I'd encourage you to read uh, from Matthew there, Matthew 13, 23. It's the parable of the soils, or the parable of the sower. There's, God wants to grow us spiritually, So if we just say, I accepted Christ, boom, now I'm at it. No, he wants us to change and transform and grow. And the church is a significant part of that by the power of the Holy Spirit, right? So a baptism and a conversion is a great thing. Praise God. In Luke, it says that angels rejoice in heaven when someone is saved. It's a beautiful thing. But people are to grow spiritually in their life. And that's an indicator that spiritual growth 
just as much as a baptism or a conversion. That's, a, that's the ultimate Todd nod, I call it, in my head. It's good. He goes, I'm always going to have something to say, so I just don't want to dominate time. But it's like what happens when you're in a dry season in church ministry and attendance isn't behaving the way you think it should or finances aren't behaving the way you think they should. Um, or you're dependent on a number on a piece of paper that says we've baptized this many and, and you know, we only did six in whatever year. It's like that, that can be hard on the soul. And one of the things the Lord has communicated to me personally over the past years, he's like, I'm calling you all to remain faithful to what I've called you to. Your portion, your role in the body, just remain faithful and you entrust the rest to me. And he was even to the point where he's like, hey, what if I choose to close the doors of the church while you're an elder? Like that's, that's a hard thing to even think about. But, but, but he's right. He's the head of the church. If it were, if it were on him and he determined, which it is on him, and he determined that Summit Church would no longer exist in 2026, that's on him. It's not on us. Remain faithful to what he's called you to and entrust the rest to him. So far, we don't think Jesus is saying that, by no, the way. Not at all. And if you're curious and you need to know, like, Consider why you need to know, but we are trending in a pretty solid direction as it relates to numbers. I think one thing with the, with the numbers, people get caught up in numbers because it's a tangible thing, easy to measure. But when you begin to seek numbers, you begin to water down truth, you begin to cater to people's desires and and the desires of of people you know james says that's what leads us into sin so another question right from uh, verse 14 there so look at verse 14 right this is not a, a ted talk this is the word of god um do we have doctrinal stability at summit and i i think this one we could probably answer quickly there's a, it's kind of like yes Next question. Um, but uh, any thoughts about that? Like, how, how's, our, how's our doctrine? Uh, any concerns? Or even amongst the body, is there things you're seeing where you're like, oh, we should, we should teach on this specifically because we're seeing this? Yeah, I think the root of that question comes down to what our hermeneutic is. And, and amongst us and Jasper, uh, we're, we're very aligned. I mean, as we've taught in many places, I know in my end times class, uh, if you have a different hermeneutic, you're going to come to cons- uh, completely different conclusions on a lot of topics. Yeah, what would you say the word hermeneutic means? Good, good, good point. It, it's the method of interpretation, how, how, we, interpret, how we interpret Scripture. Because clearly there's, there's uh, figures of speech, there's, there's allegory, there's, you know, but... Um, Allegory. Anyway. You didn't say Al Gore there, did you? I did not say okay. Al Gore. That would no. be weird. No. Yeah. I, inventor okay. of the Internet. Um, that would be an inconvenient truth. Yeah. Uh, We never speak into politics in this church. <laughs> Dennis. Um, where was I going? Um, yeah, yeah, hermeneutic interpretation. Yeah, that, that, that we're aligned and, and we, t- we talk and we bounce things off and, and coming from the same approach to scripture is super healthy. Uh, and yeah, we'd love to teach more on that in various classes and whatnot and what our hermeneutic is. As I mentioned, we went through it quickly in some of the doctrinal classes. But I think that that helps us achieve 
doctrinal st stability. Yeah. Thanks, Glenn. The elder room, I would say 60%, if not more, of the time is talking about doctrine. You want us to do that. That's what we do. We all come with our own interpretations and we come to a consensus. We all agree that this, like the series that we're in right now, we came to an agreement that this needs to be taught to our church and here's why. I mean, that's, that's what happens in our room. Yep, and sometimes we joke around too. Um, do, we, do we have, a, here's another question. It's a, the fifth question. As you look at the outset of verse five there in your Bibles, um, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. So do we have a, this is a long phrase, but it's important because sometimes the Bible can't be reduced to like one point. Do we have a culture of collective, caring, biblical counsel? So we, we talked about biblical counseling as this program, which it is. Sometimes you need to organize things. But is that built into our culture yet that the way that all of us respond together is collectively, from love, speaking the truth of God's word to each other? How, how are we doing on that? Better than we were, but not as good as we would like to be. Yeah, and I think in our small group, well, all the small groups have gone through this discipling book, and I think Except that's been... the core group, sorry guys, but... It's all right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I think that's been a great focus, because basically, I think, if, if I remember, the definition is doing spiritual good for somebody, and, and input, and that can be, as Bjorn said, a, a formal counseling situation, or it can just be like an encouragement in Christ from someone passing the hall, and, and like in our small group... Yeah, it's really encouraging. You know, we have a thread and people pray for each other. It's, it's awesome. And we just last week with, this, with the ice storm, one of the gentlemen was out of town and he said, hey, can somebody, can, you know, take, make sure my driveway's okay and another, one of our guys lived not far away and I'll take care of it. And it, it just, uh, was there biblical counseling in there? But it was certainly caring. And, and those things, caring... It, it just opens doors, you know, and so many on the card, so many of these opportunities to do that, whether it's the, I'll make a plug for the meal ministry, but, you know, just ways to just, you know, and those create opportunities then for, for input, for encouraging, you know, new mothers, you know, do you need encouragement? Um, is it always easy? No. So um, I agree with Dennis, we're, we're growing. Um, so. Yeah, I love the rather there. Like you see that in, in the way that the passage is written, rather, that is, instead of getting thrown all over the place by crazy doctrine, God puts us on a firm foundation, and from that we speak truth uh, in love. Beautiful. Is each part working properly? When you look at the next uh, part of the passage, uh, kind of a big chunk there in 15 and 16 together, but we're to grow up in, in every way into him who's the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly. Is each part working properly right now? No. Talk to that. Todd did a Todd opposite now. Well, I, you no. know, the, we, these questions, and we went over these beforehand, it's like we can't say yes. We just can't say yes because we know. And, like, if we can go even to the pre speaking the truth in love, I can use that as my example. We, you know, church, we are very determined to remain true to the truth. We are. 
And I love Brandon's testimony. I see his parents sitting there. That, like, that moved me to tears to know that his dad was the hammer to the nail. Sometimes we need the hammer. And sometimes we need a pillow upside the head. Um, so, no, we're not, we're not doing as good as we can need to be doing as it relates to that. And that would apply, I believe, to near every other area of ministry in our church. Yeah. As, as we consider the past, I... I don't know what time frame to put on. I'll just say three years. The three things we've talked about a lot, if you could put up the next slide, where there, there is some concern that these things would hurt our church. And they're probably not things that you would maybe think about right away, but the first one would be selling Summit Church instead of preaching Christ. That everything we say is about, hey, our church is awesome, come to my church, come be part of this fun that we have together, or this upbuilding. And really, it's like, well, when are we going to talk about Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world and the foundation of the church? So there's a risk when you're part of a church that you just make it all about talking about your church. Then it's like, well, how did your church come to be? What's the point of your church? What's the mission of your church? So let's, let's not do that. Psalm 115, I'd encourage you to read it. Not to us, not to us, but to your name we give glory because of your righteousness. So read that this afternoon maybe. And when you're tempted, like, you should be excited about the the church that you're part of because that's why you're part of it. But we're here to preach Christ, not to sell our church uh, to to gain people. So let's preach Christ instead of selling summit. summit. What about the next ones? Ministry and idolatry. Any thoughts on those two plays on words as them being a risk? Do it. You put the mic up. You can't do that. We understand. We know we're going long, and uh, we appreciate your patience in this, and the chili will remain warm. Um, but we, these, are, these are priority things in the life of our church. And the idolatry, that's a man... We all have, if there are 500 people that call this their church home, there are 500 ideals for the way church should be. And even in the elder room, there are six, uh, six plus a handful of staff members that sit in that have an idea about how ministry should be. Um, and the Lord brings us together. He calls us to humble ourselves before each other and come to the consensus that Peter talked about and, and trust that God is going to make the ideal for Summit Church through the collective voices of everyone. And it's important not to let the, the perfect become the enemy of the good. Um, sometimes we just have to do the, the next thing. It may not be perfect. In fact, if, if we're doing it, it's probably not going to be perfect. But it's, it's working toward the perfect, which is Jesus Christ. Yeah. So read those passages. There's a foldovers. I mean, maybe you got one, like a bulletin-style thing, but... Read Ezekiel 14, very interesting. 3 John 9 which, uh, and 10 about a guy named Diotrephes, a total jerk focused on ministry. And then 1 Corinthians 9. And then murmuring and scoffing. All throughout, you see it all throughout Scripture. God's people start murmuring against him. Does he even love me? Why did he give me a leader like this? I want a leader like that. And sometimes when ministry doesn't happen, when ministry is, is made about us, or idolatry is taking place, and we start scoffing. We look down our nose at people, or we get angry and speak negatively. So that, that will kill our church if that becomes part of our culture, to murmur against God or scoff against uh, what he's called us to do. So read those passages. Almost done. Are we growing in love is really the next point. 
Are we growing in love? Just a reminder that we are supposed to be growing in love. God wants us to grow. He wants us to seek spiritual growth. It is a real thing. God is not against there being a growth in attendance. But is there growth in love? And there's way more coming on that in one week. Remember the end of chapter 12? He's going to show us a better way. Yeah. Good plug. So a shift. You can jump two slides. Can we do that even? That's just a review, but missions. One thing that I mentioned during that financial part is we're, we're not going to be part of the GCC anymore, and we want, um, we really want to focus on missions, but also think about it in a bigger way than just missionaries. So as you look through that sheet that you can uh, maybe have printed in front of you, you can reference that later in the week. But then if you could go to the last slide, there's three things we want to exhort you with during a new season at Summit. Um, First, people more than processes, obedience more than expertise, and prayerful progress is more important than perfection. So we're looking into three things. Can Can you talk about Ireland? Don't worry about the time. Like you said, the chili will remain chilly and it will remain warm. And I know, and I appreciate the children's ministry people that are working now. I've worked with fifth grade boys. I know at this, about this time when you're like, God, rescue me from whatever you put me into. So like, I get that and I, we appreciate them. Just share a little bit about, the, about Ireland. Can you do that? Yes. The Martha in me wants to say amen to the service and let's go on our way. But I'll be merry for a moment. Who did the Lord commend? Ireland. Wendy and I and our son, Caden, and a friend went to Ireland in June. And as we toured around the island, we saw maybe one church. Yeah, you see these magnificently beautiful structures, but there really was no church presence in Ireland. I came home, I'm talking to a fellow pastor who's a pastor up in Traverse City, and he's like, hey man, um, we're planting churches in Ireland. You want to be a part of that? He says, at least we want to. And uh, so that's like right when we came home, and I'm like, wow, that's, that's more than coincidental. And uh, then, then some random guy in Belfast sends me an email. I don't know who he is. And he says, hey, I'd love, I'm coming to the U.S. I'd love to talk to you about church planting in Ireland, um, the Republic of, not Northern Ireland, so the main part of Ireland. So slam all three of those things together and fasting through the month of February, it's like, Lord, do you want us to at least check out what's going on in Ireland? And so that's a potential. Cool. Bahamas, that's another thing we've been praying about. Jasper has a connection he used to work with um, who has essentially, it's like a ministry school in the Bahamas. He's going to go there in May to check it out, but also do some teaching. It's really a ministry of equipping uh, equippers. Right? How do we equip church planters so that they can be sound and right? There's a lot of people who are interested in planting churches. How can they think rightly about both what God's word says, but what, what does God's word say about planting churches? So be praying about that, more about that after Jasper gets back. And then we continue to contribute to Jamaica um, and Pastor Obed there. That's not something we're going to stop doing um, in this year. Be praying about all those things, but also Please think of missions as in, around, and beyond. It has to start in your home. It starts in this body. It's in your community in regards to personal evangelism. And then we do want to go places. But missions is not just missionaries. It is a responsibility for the the whole church to do those things. I appreciate you being so engaged and listening. Um, Even some of you younger ones, it's great. 
We are going to pray now, and then uh, one more quick song, and then there is time, as there should be, for chili. Can you pray for the meal, too? Absolutely. Double prayer. Father, as we have uh, looked at this passage in Ephesians, we see the importance of your word and both your written word and your word in flesh, uh, Jesus Christ. And uh, we are thankful for what you are doing in Summit Church, in each of us, and and collectively as a body. And uh, Lord, we just pray that you would continue to grow us into your image, that we would be a church characterized by, uh, by the truth of your word and by the love of your spirit. And uh, Lord, we, we thank you for the things that we can do together. We think of this uh, chili cook-off and the, and the food that's been prepared, and we just pray that you would um, bless it to your use uh, in our lives. And uh, we pray all this in your good and glorious and great name.